This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. New content will be available every week throughout 2015. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Ladies, I'm going to describe a lady in here tonight. And when you realize who you are, would you do me a favor and stand up? This lady has many roles. Um, Some of us know her in different ways. So I just use a number of words, share a number of ways, and we'll see see how quickly it takes her to realize who she is. Uh, This lady's a wife, and she is a mother, and she is a daughter, a beloved daughter. She is somebody's sister. She is an auntie. She is a businesswoman. She is a strong woman who takes no nonsense. She also has a really soft side. She has a hilarious laugh. It's a wee bit infectious. She loves the children. She's really good at children's ministry. I would say she's a survivor. I would say that she has a testimony worth telling. And I would say that she would be bold enough to tell you it. Not right now, I'm not going to put her on the spot. Now, lady, when you realize who you are, would you just stand to your feet? She has, I would say she knows who she is in Christ. I would say that she has been in church for at least 40 years, possibly more. I would say that she is highly thought of and highly favored. I would say that her children rise and call her blessed. I would say that she is a lady of many talents. Um, But I would say she's gone from dark hair to light hair too. There's another wee tip for you. Her dress size has gone up and down a few sizes too over the years. But it's the laugh. If you don't know this lady with this laugh, I tell you, you don't know her. She has survived cancer and she has lived to tell a very amazing tale. Would you stand up for me? I know you know who you are and I'm not going to look at you. There's only one of you. It couldn't even be anybody else. There she is. That is Brenda Green. For those of you who don't know her, now you know a whole lot about her. Was it pretty accurate, Brenda? I see. I was going through it last night in my mind, and I was thinking of all the words, and I thought, who am I going to pick? I'm picking Brenda Green, for I've known her for donkey's years, at least 30 probably anyway. Um, Isn't it amazing how when I said wife, mother, well, that was half the woman in the room, and then grandmother, now that narrowed it down a wee bit. I said she has a funny laugh. Oh, maybe that's another... 20% of the people in the room. Were you offended at me saying that? No. That's maybe another 20%. 
And then I said, she's a survivor. And at least 10 of you went, hmm. Oh. nodding her head, hmm. I know who it is now. And suddenly, we were narrowing it down. Suddenly, we were getting to the nitty-gritty. Suddenly, we were getting to one of the rules that helps to identify. Do you know, ladies, we're known by so many different rules. We have labels, for goodness sake. We have good labels. We have bad labels. We have roles that we're known by. Uh, I was telling my daddy, I was up in the Baptist church the other Sunday, and I've lived in the Philippines far too long. I say things sometimes, and maybe I shouldn't say them. Um, somebody had left behind their glasses, and the pastor said, I wonder whose glasses they are. Who was sitting behind us? I says, oh, it was the big man. And he looked at me and he says, did you just say that out loud? I says, I'm thinking, what did I say? What did I say? Oh, am I not supposed to say that? But he is a big man, Pastor. And you asked me who was sitting behind you. And he says, I says, I says, you offended? He says, no, the next thing, who walks in? But the big man coming back to get his glasses. The pastor says, I just said, who owns them? And she says, the big man behind me. I'm like, thanks for that, Pastor. Talk about putting me on the spot. But it made me think how often we are known for how we look, how we sound, whose daughter we are. Oh, this is Claire Gowdy. She's Pastor David Gowdy from Moira's daughter. My daddy says now when he goes around the country, he's known as Claire, Claire Henderson's father. There's a wee bit of role reversal for you. But it's so often like that. We, we, we catch on to a role and we want to be known by that role. Have you ever gone through a day where you have worn so many hats in one day? Somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. I, when I wake up first thing in the morning, I'm groggy and I'm grumpy. But by the time I hit the bottom of the stairs, I've got to have my mummy head on. I don't need my wife head in the mornings for he's away to work. I've got to have my mummy head on. And then maybe within an hour, I've got to be the director. We look says it to me, I hate it that you always have to be the director. Because every time I have to go abroad, I say, son, I have to go, I'm the director. I hate it, he says, that you're always the director. <laughs> He's a laughing at it. He goes into school and says, my mommy's the director, you know. <laughs> but 10 o'clock, I'm the director. And then suddenly, they're calling me. Mommy Claire, Tita Claire, Tita is auntie. Mommy Claire, Ma, Ate. The staff, some of them, Philippines were really under respect. Everybody has a title. The staff would always say, Madame, Ma'am, Madame. So by 10 o'clock, I've already had about 10 different hats on. Get me to the weekend. I'm a worshiper. I'm a member of our church. Get me on the phone, I'm the daughter. Get me on the phone to my Auntie Jenny, I'm the niece. Used to be, I would have phoned my granda, I was the granddaughter. Some days, I'm the client when I go in to get my toes done. Some days, not as often as I used to, I'm the shopper. And I could shop till I drop. That saying was made for me. And then there's other days where all I want to do is get my jammies on, snuggle up on the sofa with a cup of tea, pull the plug on the phone, 
play my Candy Crush and ignore the world. <laughs> Does anybody in this room know what I'm talking about? <laughs> Isn't that the truth? There's days that you are so into your role, you know, and there's days that you are that person. And there's other days where you just think, please, Lord, let nobody come to the door. I fell out of bed this morning. I fell up the hall. Cup of tea fell into my hand. And the doorbell went. I says, for goodness sake, I haven't even got my brow on. Who's at the door? <laughs> Thank you, Lord, it was Sarah Marshall. For if it had been anybody else, I'd have been beat. For you know the way they lean in to give you a big hug and you're like, awkward. <laughs> Thank you, Lord, it was Sarah Marshall for she'd lost the keys or whatever had happened. But there's really moments in your day where you just don't want to be anybody else. I just accept you the real you, there's just those moments. With uh, Facebook and social media the way it is today, I've noticed friends that I've had for years and people I've known for donkeys, I never knew they were as needy as they are for their posting drama, drama statuses every day, every day. I, some days I'm demented, I have to start unfollowing people because I'm thinking, if you knew the drama, I'm holding this way and they're about to die and go into eternity and you're posting that the bin man knocked your bin over and that you're going to file a complaint. And I'm thinking, what? I'm sure they can nearly hear me shouting. I shout that loud sometimes. But do you know what it is? It's this thing that we want people to like us. We need a comment. If any of you are members on Facebook groups, you'll see it even more, especially if it's women's groups. Our women, is, uh, who is it says, are the women, as Martin would say, honest to goodness, sometimes it's really bad. I would be on a few women's groups. One was uh, a batch of girls that we were all pregnant together when we, when we had no our July 2011 babies. Uh, another one is called A Call to Grace, and it's for modest women. How they ever put me in this group, I'll never know. For modest women, submissive modest women, A Call to Grace. I don't comment much, I'll be totally honest with you now. But then, do you know what? There's days I'm on it and I'm convicted because I hear these beautiful women talking about their, their husbands like he was the king of the world. They just love him. They're just dying about him. They're talking about their, they've just baked the cookies. They've got, they're mostly Americans, you know, they've got the banana bread on. I'm thinking, for goodness sake, microwave dinners in my house tonight if I'm lucky. Um, but, you know, what I notice is they're all desperate to, when they post a post, they need comments. And the one who has the most comments and the one who has the most likes is the most popular. There's a queen bee in every group. And that particular group, the queen bee is the girl who started it. And it wouldn't matter what she posted about. If she broke her toenail, she'd have 101 comments. And some other poor critter comes on with a genuine need, but she's not so well known. And she'll maybe have two wee comments and three likes. And I just, I do, it does make me wonder how much we base our identity on how liked or how loved we are. Do you know, some of us hold roles that will hold really tightly. There's roles that we have in our lives and some of us have held them for years. Well, I've been that person for years. You're not taking it off me, that's what I do. And it actually gets to the point where that role begins to define who we are. 
our identity starts to be built around that particular role. This afternoon, I just want us to take a wee while and pause, and I want us to consider how Jesus sees us. What does Jesus see when he looks at me? What title does he see when he looks at me? Which one is more prominent? Is it the mommy one? Is it the wife one? Is it the, I'm sure it's the director of Helping Hands one. Like it must be. I often wonder, what does Jesus see when he looks at me? I want you to look at a wee scripture in 1 Peter 2, 9. It says this, but you're not like that. I'll ignore that bit. It says, for you are a chosen people. You're royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his light. The message says it this way, but you are the ones chosen by God. Chosen for the high calling of priestly work. Chosen to be a holy people. God's instruments to do his work. To speak out for him. To tell others of the night and day difference that he made for you. From nothing to something. From rejected to accept it. We belong to God. Who does the word of God say that I, Claire Henderson, really am? Who does the word of God say that you are, Joanne? Who does the word of God say that Evelyn Bloomfield is? Who does the word of God say that Donna Kerr is? Who does the word of God say that Joyce McPherson is? See, to do this, I'm going to have to ask a favor of you. I am going to have to ask you to drown out some of the voices in your head right now. There's voices that have told you for years who you are and who you're going to be. Years, literally, for some of us, our whole life. There's been voices that said would never amount to anything. That's a phrase that's used a lot in this country. See, you, you'll never amount to anything. It's nearly like a curse that's spoken over us. There's been phrases spoken over you over the years. You're crazy. You're nuts. What are you like? There's people that have said these words over you. You're broken. You're broken. I've lost your mind. I've lost the plot in Northern Irish. There's people that have told you, nobody will ever understand you. I don't understand you. What? What are you talking about? I don't understand you. Blah, 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 blah. That's all I hear when you speak. I don't understand a word you're saying. There's voices that have said to you, man, you're cold-hearted. You're cold-hearted. Your heart's like stone. You have a heart of a brick. Have you ever been told you're over-emotional? See you, you're over-emotional. Over-emotional? You fairly gained the weight. Gosh, we're not, we're not what we used to be, sure we're not. 
excuse me, <laughs> what's this wee business? But that's what happens. People speak words over us. Maybe that's not the voices that you're tuned into. Maybe you're tuned in to the other side. See, there's a couple of wavelengths. Here's the one I've got to be careful of. Oh, there's nobody like you. You're my hero. You're a saint, my friend Kerry tells me all the time. You will sit at the right hand of God, she says to me. Doesn't she, mommy? <laughs> Kerry is class. You will sit, she says to me. You're a saint. She says, you will sit at the right hand of God. I know what she says. <laughs> She's my chum. I don't know if she hears that in her chapel, but that's what she tells me all the time anyway. Some people are told, oh, you're so beautiful. You are so stunning. You are gorgeous, like Tessa was talking about earlier. And sometimes that's the thing that we tune into then. Okay, what if somebody's telling you a hundred every week, oh, you're beautiful this week. Oh my word, I love that outfit. What if that goes on for a year? But then what if that stops coming and suddenly you're not hearing it? And suddenly you've actually got so tuned into it and you've, you've so looked forward to it, if we're being honest, because we all love a compliment. What if it stops coming? What comes in to replace it? I need you to drown out the voice of the enemy this afternoon. Sometimes it's not people's voices. Sometimes it really is just the enemy. Do you know what he says? See you, you're not as godly as you let on. Now stand there with your hands in the air. What did you say to him before you left the house? Kick the dog on the way out the door. Run that person off the road for stealing your parking space. There you are there, playing your guitar. That's the way he does. You're laughing. He really does that. I'm telling you now, I could write a book on the phrases that he speaks sometimes. And you say, well, Clara, you tell me you're hearing the devil speaking. No, I hear a voice in my head. And I can tell you here and now because the, the word says that as a sheep, you know your shepherd's voice. That's not the voice of the Lord because the Bible says that he is not the accuser of the brethren. So it can't be the Lord. So when somebody's telling me that I'm a big fat fake phony, that is not <laughs> the voice of the Lord. That's not it. So this afternoon, I need you to drown it out. Finally, can I ask you to drown out your own voice? Just tune it out. Sometimes we're our own worst critics. I am hectic for this. Somebody comes up to her and says, oh, you are looking lovely. Are you talking about God and Primark? Name's at a charity shop. Say, my oh, dear sake. And sure I've gained a stone. And sometimes she'll look at me. And she's probably thinking, how do you answer that? I just give you this lovely compliment out of my heart. Like, I really mean it. From my heart, I mean it. I mean it. And then I just, like, throw it back at her and just... Sometimes there's no answer. Filipinos are brilliant at receiving a compliment. That's the truth. See, when you get to the Philippines, you say to somebody, oh, that was brilliant. You look beautiful. Say, thank you, Lord. Glory to God. You let that worship great. Thank you, Lord. That was great. See, if that was Northern Ireland, that I said, I did not. Did you not hear that mistake I played? Oh, goodness sake. And did you hear, didn't I twang that? No, didn't I twang? Did you hear that? That is the way we do. So this morning or this afternoon, I'm asking you to tune out your own voice. Tune out the voice that says, that's not me. And this message is not for me. I want you to tune out the wee voice right now that's telling you this. Oh, I hope she's listening. This is for her. 
Thank you, Lord, because you're going to speak to her today. <laughs> Does anybody in here know what I'm talking about? If you're being honest, right? <gasps> this is for her. Joyce, I hope you're listening. Joyce is thinking, hope Sally's listening. And Sally's thinking, oh, Lois, this is for you. If only you realized it. That's the way we do. We do. And we don't even mean to do it. So I have called your attention to it. So the moment that we thought creeps up on you, here's what I want you to do. There's a wee passage of scripture. It says, be still my soul. I want you to say, shh, to yourself. Not out loud, because that would be very distracting. And some of you might have to say it a lot. But when that wee voice creeps up, I want you to shush yourself. Just the way you would do if your youngster was sitting beside you and distracting you. I want you to say gently, shh. Because the devil does not want you to hear this word today. This word has been common to you since Rosine stood up on that platform to open this. She, I thought, we don't speak about this. I thought, Rosine, you've read my notes. For goodness sake, you've read my notes. And then Sarah got up to open. I'm like, there you go again. There's my words again. Then Tessa gets up to speak. And suddenly she's got a few of the themes. The Holy Spirit has a word for you today. Today is about you. It's not all about her. She's part of it. It's about you. Today I'm going to borrow five points from another pastor, and I'll tell you why. I've heard so many messages about your identity in Christ, and a whole lot of them I switched off. That's why I'm asking you, drown out the voices. Because sometimes my brain is going a hundred to the dozen. And because I'm in ministry, I'm constantly thinking of, oh, I really wish she was here the day. That is just, just what she was telling me last week, that's just for her. And on and on and on I go. And some days I realize when I go home, Oh my goodness, I didn't get enough out of that for me today. And actually, if I tuned out my voice, I would have realized that the half the message was for me. So when I heard this message, used these five points, it stuck in my head. So I'm going to share them with you today. And it's great that Sarah put a wee book in. Gave you, she didn't give you a pen. She gave you a wee book. Oh, she gave you a pen. So you can write this down. Here's number one. I am completely accepted. I am completely accepted. I am completely accepted. Ladies, do you realize that from the moment you ask Jesus into your heart, Maybe you haven't done it yet. Maybe today is your day. But from the moment that you ask Jesus to be your savior, to forgive you of your sins, because you've got tons of them. There is not a woman in this room who does not have a ton of sins that if they were to flash up on that screen right now, you'd be mortified. You'd be crawling under the chair for we're all the same. But today... If you know Jesus, you are completely accepted. From the moment you ask Jesus into your life, do you realize that there's not one thing that you could have done to make him love you one ounce more? Not one thing. Nothing. Joyce Meyer says it this way, it's not about the do, it's about 
the who. It's not about the do. It's about the who. So often we think it's about the do. So we do, and we do, and we do, and we do. And we work, and we serve, and we please, and we smile. And we work, and we serve, and we please, and we smile more. And all of those things are good if they're coming from a loving heart, and they're coming with the right motive, and you know it's not going to get your foot over the door of heaven because you're already going there, and you're just doing it because it makes you happy along the way. Then that's wonderful. But if you're doing it to be more accepted, then I have a great news for you today. Relax, kick your shoes off. It's already done. You are completely accepted. It says in the Amplified, the Resine version, in Ephesians 1 and 4, listen to this. He chose us in Christ, actually selected us for himself as his own before the foundation of the world. Do you realize that before God made a single other thing in creation, he chose you. Above it all, above every other person, above every other animal, above every other beautiful living creation, the Bible says he chose you as his very own. He is in love with you. So many of us are desperate for love. He is in love with you. It says in Titus 3, we used to be stupid and disobedient and foolish, as well as slaves to all sorts of desires and pleasures. We were evil, actually, and jealous. Everyone hated us. We hated everyone. God, our Savior, showed us how good and how kind he is. He saved us. Listen to this. He saved us because of his mercy and not because of any good things that we have done. Did you catch that? He saved us because of his mercy, not because of any good thing that we have done. Listen to verse 7. Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. Jesus treated us much better than we deserve. He made us acceptable to God. He made us acceptable to God. So it's not about what we do. It's the who. It's not about the do. It's about the who. The number one thing that stops us from feeling accepted is feeling rejected. I see so many children coming into our homes and honestly, that word is like a stamp on their head. It's like a stamp on their head. There's days I want to get the scrubbing brush out and scrub it off. And you want to do it all at once. And sometimes it takes a wee bit longer. Sometimes it just doesn't come off all at once. And then there's others that come in. And maybe it's not so deeply stamped. Maybe it's not so deeply ingrained. And with just the most gentle... TLC, the softest of rubs, the acceptance begins to shine through. The psalmist David knew about rejection. Sometimes we think, gosh, all these scriptures are all positive, positive, positive. Nobody must ever had it hard. Listen to what David said. David said, 
If it were an enemy making fun of me, I could endure it, he said in Psalm 55, 12. If it were, if it were an enemy making fun of me, I could endure it. If it were an opponent boasting over me, I could hide from him. But it's you, my companion, my colleague, my close friend. David knew the deepest part of rejection. It is a sad day when your closest friend does the dirty on you. It's a sad day. And do you know what? There's some of us sitting here that can remember the very day that that happened. I don't know about you. I have a memory like an elephant. I could tell you what you were wearing the day you offended me. See my husband Mark, if we fall out, he couldn't remember the next day what had happened. I could tell you 40 years ago where I was and what you were wearing when you said it or when you did it. And I think that sometimes we as women are wired that way. But there's something even more amazing about the grace of God when you begin to realize that you have gone from a position of being a reject, total reject, in the eyes of the world, in the eyes of yourself, in the eyes of people around you, and you get it into your spirit that now you are completely accepted. David said this as well, Psalm 27. He says, even if my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will hold me close. There's so many in this room today, and even your father or your mother forsook you. They didn't call you chosen. They didn't call you precious. Never said the words you're accepted. David felt it, and he said these words, the Lord himself will hold me close. Jesus understood what it was to be rejected. It said in Isaiah 53, he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. We didn't even care. And yet, it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sin. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that I could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. We've all left God's path to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. This afternoon, I need you to get this vital truth. The moment you came to Christ, you were no longer rejected, but fully accepted. I read Noah, a wee story of a boy called Punchinello. Have you ever read the story of Punchinello? Punchinello is wee Wemmick from Wemmicksville. It was written by Max Lucado. It's called Your Special, I think. Great book. Buy it and read it to your children, your grandchildren. Max Lucado is the author. Punchinello was a Wemmick. He lived in Wemmicksville. And in Wemmicksville, when you were a good person, people would give you golden stars. So people would walk around and just place a wee golden star on you. And they would go and they would say, my goodness, you played that piano today. That was wonderful. There's a wee golden star. Oh my word, that voice. You should be recording with Anset. There's a wee golden star. But then they have grey dots. Then they have grey dots. And what the Wemmicks would do, they would go to another Wemmick and they would say, 
but you should have straight hair, you've got curly hair. See you? Why's your hair grey? It should be blonde. <laughs> you know money joking, don't you? And that's what these Wemmicks were doing. And poor wee Punchinello, he was covered from head to toe in grey dots. He had a chipped nose. They're wooden people, you see. He had a chipped nose. His ears were too big. His nose was too big. He was covered in grey dots. And it was really breaking his heart, but he had this friend, Lucia. He says, Lucia, why have you got no grey dots? And why's your stickers falling off? She says, they just don't stick to me. And Punchinello says, I don't understand this. I'm going to see Eli. Eli's the one that made us. So he walks to Eli's house, the wood carver, and he goes in and he says, Eli, I don't get it. I'm covered in these grey dots. I hate it. I'm just covered in them. Everybody says I'm useless. They say I've got chip bits. They say my nose is too big. My ears are too big. They say I'm not a good Wemmick. I don't represent the town well. But Lucia's, Lucia's grey dots just fall off her. Even the golden stars fall off her. Eli said this. It's because she doesn't accept them. She doesn't let it bother her. And what you don't accept will not stick to you. Eli told him this, Punchinello, I made you. You are my wee Wemmick, and I love you. And I accept you just the way you are. I made you that way. I created you that way. I wanted you to look like that. That's exactly how I made you. One by one, the wee dots begin to fall off. I tell that story to Noah. Because as Noah goes through school, people just come along and they're sticking grey dots on him all the time. Noah does not fit into this mold. He doesn't. Does he, mummy? Like, he doesn't. He's cute, but if you're with him for more than an hour, you will realize he is cut from a different mold. The size on the spectrum, they can say what they like. Let's see. I don't know. He's just not cut from the same mold. And I tell him that story because here's what I want to happen for him, and here's what I want to happen for you. I want us to get to the stage where the gray dots just fall off and the golden stars fall off too. Acceptance, ladies, is a gift from God. Let's tr stop trying to perform our way into it. Relax. You're completely accepted. I said to mummy that recently we had a wee boy. It was just at the start of last year or this year. And he was extremely shy. He was the shyest wee boy in our children's home. His name was Philip. Super duper shy. And if visitors would come in, most of our other kids would dive up to the visitors and throw their arms around them. But if our visitors come in, Philip would find a wee chair to hide behind, and he would go in and hide behind it. Or he would look for one of the caregivers who he knows, and he'd be straight up into their arms. And I mean, stuck to them like a stick and plaster. And that was that wee boy. And we were praying for a family for him. And a local family came along. Mummy is a guidance counselor. Christian in a, in a school. Daddy's a lawyer. And Philip couldn't even talk yet. And we sat him down one day and we showed him pictures and we said, Philip, guess what? You have a mama and a papa. 
Philip's got a mama and a papa, and they love him. And as we face lit up, in the next week, we showed him the pictures every day. And every day we told him, oh, Philip's got a mama, Philip's got a papa, Philip's mama and papa are coming to get him. They're coming to get him because they want to take him home. A few days later, mama and papa came to the door. And he looked at them, and he looked at us, and he looked at them, and he looked at the book. Is that them? Just checking. And his wee face smiled. And within an hour, he had edged his way over to them and had leaned himself in. I think somebody had brought Jollibee or something that day, like McDonald's, and they had spaghetti. And he was starving because he just woke up. And his mummy says, can I feed him? I says, that's a great idea. And she lifted the spaghetti and she just sat and fed it to him. And he sat and let her. They had to go home that night. Usually we do a handover over a period of about three days. So you're not just handing the child to a bunch of strangers. The next day, before they even arrived, Philip woke up and he came down the stairs and he was walking different. He was just walking different. And he opened the office door. He never does that. And he said, hi. Jovi says, oh, who is this wee boy? What have you done with our Philip? He was busting with confidence. The couple arrived at the door. He was like, I know what to do. This is my mama. This is my papa. Straight up into their arms. They stayed that night. They thought they were going back to work. They never got back to work. They just cancelled it. They stayed that night till bedtime. He didn't want to sleep. I think he was thinking, oh, if I close my eyes. If I don't close my eyes, they'll stay. They tucked him in that night and they told him, we're coming back for you tomorrow and then we're going to take you home. And they did. See that wee boy? He actually saw him in the video earlier. He was the one up in his daddy's arms, full of confidence. And then you saw him kneeling on the floor and he was looking about like this. He is a new boy. Why is that? Because he went from being rejected to being accepted. The Lord wants you to know tonight, you are fully and completely accepted because of him. Not because of who you are, but because he is. Number two, you are extremely, extremely valuable and precious. Look at this. This is downstairs. Where's the lady that does this stall? She'll be home. Sure, she doesn't know what she's missing. She has wee hand mirrors that say this. You are precious. You are precious. That may be a line that you have never heard in your whole life said, spoken over you. But God does not just want to accept us. He also deeply values us. How do you determine the value of something? I would say the owner makes a difference. See, if I tried to flog you my, my little pink Bible, you'd maybe give me £15 for it. Because it's pink, you might even give me 20 But it's just my Bible. If I tried to flog you Joyce Meyer's Bible, I'd say I might get £100. might even get 200 If I arrived tonight with A.W. Tozer's Bible or Billy Graham's Bible... Martin up there would be getting his checkbook out. Kathy would be having to remortgage the house. You'd be talking a fortune 
Why is that? It's still the same book. It's because of who owns it. The Bible says that you belong to Christ. You belong to Christ. You are his possession. He said in Isaiah 43 and 4, I will give up whole nations to save your life because you're precious to me. Because I love you and give you honor, your real value, ladies, is found in who Christ is and how he looks at you. Your true value is found in Christ. You're precious because you're his. Parents may never called you precious. Your husband may never say those words to you. But you are precious tonight because Jesus himself said it. You are precious to me. Another thing that affects the value or the price is what someone's willing to pay. Jesus stretched out his arms and he died. That's the price that he was willing to pay for you. Rick Warren said this, the biggest ransom ever paid in the history of humanity was paid to ransom you. It's not beautiful. The biggest ransom ever paid in the history of humanity was paid to ransom you. Let me tell you something. Jesus didn't die for junk. Jesus didn't die for junk. You're not rubbish. Don't ever say those words again. Don't ever let anybody say them to you. Jesus did not die for rubbish. Jesus died for you and you are precious. Thank you, Jesus, that I am precious to you. Lord, help me to remember that every day. Tell me it in my thoughts. Tell me it in my sleep, Lord. Remind me and remind me to remind my children that we are precious to you. The third fingerprint of our identity today is that I am eternally loved. I'm eternally loved. Another mirror. All this free advertising, she's not even here. Is her stuff still down the stairs? Well, isn't she silly? She's just missed out there because I was going to tell you all, go and buy one of these. Wrap it up. I owe eight pound. That was good. At least I got two free mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> Wrap it up. And put it in your daughter's Christmas stocking. Put it in your granddaughter's Christmas stocking. And write a wee card and a wee note. Dear sweetheart, here's what I want you to know today. You are precious to me. And even more than that, here's what I want you to know. You are precious to Jesus. It says it in Isaiah 43 verse 4, so it must be true. I'm eternally loved. I am eternally loved. It was read out earlier today, Jeremiah 31, 3. Long ago the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. So there's two things that we need to get in our spirit today about the love of God towards us. Number one, it's unconditional. It is unconditional. We can't get our heads around that. Sure, we can't. We can't. Because here's how we do. Oh, I love you. You're so good to me. I love you, Karen Turton. You used to make me the best baked potatoes anybody ever made. And we could have whatever we wanted. You could have sweet corn. You could have tuna. You could have chopped ham. 
you could have butter and salt. You could have ketchup in it too. You weren't, you didn't even only have to pick one, you could have picked as many as you wanted. I love him. You know what? He tells me every day he loves me. That's why I love him. He's so good to me. <gasps> Do you see what he bought me? He loves me. Do you remember when you're in P7? You send a wee note. I love you if you love me. <laughs> I love you if you love me. But we're wired like that. That's how we're wired. We're wired to love with conditions. Will you still love me if I don't love you? I love him. He is so gorgeous. What if he's not so gorgeous anymore? I have a news flash for us. Some of us are well past the gorgeous stage. <laughs> what was it Alma used to say, Mommy? Don't choose for looks because someday you'll have a neck like a turkey. <laughs> and you'll still have to love him. And she was right. So all you women with your scarves on, I know your tricks. I know your tricks. What do you do? What do you do if your love is based on conditions and those conditions aren't met? What if it's based on feelings? Lord, help us. I'm desperate for that. <gasps> I feel it. What if you don't feel it? What if there's a day where there's no feelings? What if there's a day there's only hormones? <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? <laughs> That was a silent moment. Does that mean I'm the only woman in this house with hormones? <laughs> See the day before, don't look at me, don't speak to me. I've had to start locking myself in the room for a whole day because I come down them stairs like a demon. It's terrible. And I know what it is, but I can't stop it. I come down, rip, run, lunatic some days. I've come down the stairs, ripped the head off people, had to go back up the stairs. Lay on the bed and cry, say, I'm the worst mother in the world, rip the head of my children, it's not even eight o'clock, what am I like? And then the next day you're like, oh, that's why, <laughs> now I know, but you can't undo what you've done. What if, what if Christ's love for us was based on his feelings? What if it was based on if he was in a good mood or a bad mood that day? He says that his love is un. Conditional. Good job as I'm at there. My daddy loves me unconditionally, even if I wet his carpet. <laughs> Human love has conditions. What if it's not returned? I joke about that, but for some people, that's a real struggle right now. What if you're in a marriage where right now the love isn't returned? What if you're the one that can't return the love? What if you've got yourself into a position that you never thought you'd be in and you feel like you have no love left to give? I want to tell you this. His love for you is unconditional and it's never ending. I'm not asking you today to get in touch with your feelings, for feelings change. I'm asking you to get in touch with the truth of God's word get in touch with your feelings, women. Feelings change. Feelings change. Feelings change by the moment. Sometimes it's not even by the week or by the day. It's by the moment. In a split second, your feelings will change. If you go out of here and you've got a parking ticket, you'll be getting out like, oh, it's a beautiful, what? <laughs> split second. 
feelings change. Don't get in touch with your feelings. Get in touch with who God says you are and the love that he has for you. There's a song that says, Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Oh my goodness. Jet, my second eldest daughter, there's been a few times lately where we have put that song on and we have sung it, the tears ran down our faces because in that moment... One, one or the other of us had talked ourselves into the fact that we weren't feeling very loved. <gasps> you would never do that, would you? And we've had to stop it, stop gurning about it, stop talking about it, stop giving it time, stop giving it attention, and just bring ourselves back to, wait a minute, wait a minute, there'll always be one of us will go, wait a minute, what are we doing? Who, what does God say about me? Mum, Jill, say, Mum, what did you say? What, what was that you told me, Mum, about how the Lord loves me? Tell me again, if it's me that's in trouble. T- tell me again, Mum, what, what was that you told me the other week? What was that first you told me? I see what you're doing there, Jet. Now I see what you're doing. That's the conversation we have. Then she'll get her phone out and we'll start singing. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails, never gives up, never runs out on me. Over and over and over. I sing it till I mean it. Here's the thing. There's never another thing that I could do to make him love me any more than he already does right now. I am eternally and everlastingly and unconditionally loved by Jesus. It doesn't depend on how well I sing. Thank you, Lord, I hear you say. It doesn't depend on how well I play the guitar. It doesn't depend on how spotless my house is. It doesn't. It doesn't depend on how well behaved my children are in church on a Sunday morning. It doesn't. It doesn't depend on whether they're all walking with the Lord right now or whether they're giving me a bit of grief. You listening to me, mummies? Jesus' love for you does not depend on that. And it doesn't depend on how they're living either. He loves you and he loves them because God is love. Now God, it's not that I said he has love. It's that he is love. It's the only way he knows how to do it. There is only one way for him because he is love. The kindness of God changes us. Do you have that auntie in your family? The one who's a wee bit odd? You know that weird? Do you have a friend who's a weirdo? Don't, for goodness sake, don't look at her. Goodness sake, women. Be discreet, why don't you? We do. We all have somebody in our life who's a little bit different. (laughs) I want to tell you something. As people, we go through our days and there's moments in our life where we're absolutely ashamed of somebody. Northern Ireland, would you look at the state of that? (laughs) Philippines, I'm, I'm mortified. I'm affronted. 
I'm affronted. That's basically what it is. And there will really be moments in your life where even the people you love, you feel ashamed of. I have a news flash for you. Jesus is not ashamed of you. He never looks at you and thinks, what in the name of goodness did I make her for? No. It says in the scriptures, let me find it. It says that he created us to be brothers and sisters. He chose us. And it says, where is it? He, I am not, there it is. Hebrews 2.11. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That's you and me. We have the same father. And that is why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. That's you and me. We are actually brothers and sisters of Christ. And he is not ashamed of you. Unstable parents create the most insecure children in the world. It's desperate. You know the perfectionist mother, OCD, house has to be perfect. Oh, oh could you just move that? Oh, those shoes don't match that. Turn that up. Oh, we don't, oh, we don't listen to that music. Oh, now, listen, when we go to church on Sunday, don't you make a sound? And if the pastor gives an altar call, go to the front. Unstable parents make really, really insecure children. And do you know where all that insecurity and instability comes from? From not knowing that you're fully loved. That's where it comes from. Just not quite, I'm not fully accepted. I couldn't totally be accepted. I'm not that precious. I think he loves her more than he loves me. She does far more than I do. He probably doesn't even know my name. No. You are fully accepted. You're extremely valuable. You're just completely loved. You know why we need to catch this, especially for those of us who are parents or grandparents? We need to catch that because that will affect how we speak. That will affect how we love on our children or our grandchildren. It'll affect how we love on our friends. Do you know what? Whether she speaks nice to you or not, if you are secure in who you are in Christ, you're secure in the fact that you're accepted, you're loved, you're not rejected, you're valuable, and you've got the love of Christ in you because he's in you, so it's got to come out of you. It has to. If it's not coming out of you, it's not in you. So you need to, you need to go, hang on a wee minute. When was the last time I showed anybody love? Well, then I would question, is, is God in you? Because God is love. So it's got to come out of you. It has to come out of you. It should ooze out of you. When you're secure in that, no matter what a friendship throws at you, you can still show that person love. It'll just fly out of you. It'll fly out of you. It says in Psalm 100 that the Lord is good and his love is eternal. Eternal, that means there is no end. It is unending. It's not I love you if. It's not I love you because. So get it into our minds. It's not based on us. It's based on him. It's all about his nature. Number one, I'm completely accepted. Number two, I'm extremely valuable. I'm precious. Number three, I'm eternally loved. Number four, I'm totally forgiven. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that I stand here today forgiven. See, if I wasn't, I wouldn't even dare stand here. God's mercy has given us God's forgiveness. It says at one time in 1 Peter 2.10, at one time you were not God's people, but now you are his people. At one time you didn't even know God's mercy, but now you have received his mercy. God's mercy has given us God's forgiveness. And it's total and complete. That means that God knows the very worst thing you ever did. And he already forgave you for it. He already forgave The moment you asked him, he'd already made that decision to forgive you. That's why he sent the son. The Bible says that Jesus cannot go back on the cross. There's nothing that you can do, in other words, that is so horrific that Jesus would need to go back to the cross to die again for you. So when you say he couldn't forgive me for that, you water down the sacrifice that he made. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say it. What he did for you was the most precious thing that anybody could ever do for another person. Don't ever question. Claire, you're saying that, but if you knew, if you knew what I did, I don't ever need to know because he knows and he already chose to forgive you a hundred percent. Some days when things go wrong in our life, as believers very often we're like, oh, car's bust again, just bumped the car, such and such is broke, boyfriend's just dumped me again, and that's just God getting back at me because I wasn't living right and, and he's, he's, he's getting back at me. I have news for you, God is not getting back at you. When God said that, when you asked him for that forgiveness and he gave it to you, he said in his word that he chooses to remember your sin no more. He's wiped it out. It's gone. You're, you're, you're reminding him of something that he can't remember because he chose to forget it forever. It's gone. It's gone. It says in Romans 8 and 1, if you belong to Christ, you won't be punished. There's a scripture for you. If you belong to Christ, you won't be punished. That's the contemporary English version. It says it in the, in the New Leaven. So there's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Do you really understand what that means? That means you're not going to be punished. If you've asked the Lord to forgive you for your sins, you're not going to go and stand and be judged and punished. You're already forgiven. You're forgiven by the one who accepts you. You're forgiven by the one who says that you are precious. You're forgiven by the one who says that his love for you is unending, unfailing. There is no end to it. God already made up his mind. He doesn't hold a grudge. He's not having a moody day. Once you get the realization of that, you will look and you will act differently. I'll tell you something that will disappear, and I'll tell you this from personal example. You see the need to put other people down to feel better about yourself. You see that critical spirit that would rise up in you, that wee judgmental spirit that would come up in you sometimes. You know when you're just with your girlfriend and you're saying, goodness sake, I don't know why she gets on like that. Like, did you notice the way she did flip? I'd never do that. I'd never do that. Do you know why you're doing that? Because actually, actually, 
you want her to look worse than you. And you think that if people think she's worse than you, they won't notice how bad that you are. I know Luke's done something wrong when he comes home from school. Because he'll run in and he'll say, Mom, Caleb got in trouble in, in school today. He's really in big trouble. How was your day, son? I say, tell me about your day. I'll tell you in a minute, but Caleb's in big trouble. Is he, is he son? Oh, I'll talk to him in a minute. Tell me about your day, pet. Hmm, it's, it's okay. And then the tears start. That's Luke. Luke's in tears before he even gets telling you. But honestly, before he gets to the point of telling you what he's done, he's got to pick somebody else in the room that's dirtier than him and more trouble than him and that he thinks is more likely to get a s'more bum than him. <laughs> he tries to divert your attention. See, once you get a grasp of the fullness of the love of God for you and how accepted and loved and valued you are and how forgiven you are, that spirit, like a gray dot, will drop off and you'll not do it anymore. You think, couldn't be. I'm telling you now, living proof. Am I telling the true testimony, mommy? Do you see a change in me in that? That's the truth. That would have been something that I would have done a lot. I'd always had to look for somebody that was, was worse than me because I wanted your attention on them because then you wouldn't notice what I was doing. It's not horrible. It took somebody to point it out to me one day. See, once they did, I had to be accountable for it. So ladies, you'll love me or hate me, but I'm making you accountable today by pointing it out to you. Once you deal with that, I promise you that gray dot of critical spirit will drop off you. And as long as you never accept it again, it'll never come back on you. Isn't that good news? Why does God forgive me? How do I know? Well, it says in Isaiah 43, and yet I am the God. Isaiah 43, 25, write that down. It's in the Good News translation. Listen to this. And yet I am the God who forgives your sins. And I do this because of who I am. Did you hear that line? I do this because of who I am, God says. I will not hold your sins against you. It's not about you. It's in his nature to forgive you. So you're acceptable, you're valuable, you're lovable, you're forgivable. And here's the final one. You are fully capable. Rosine, when you were reading out your thing this morning, do you know how many times you said that word? And I'm going, here was me thinking I'm bringing this great new word. And here's Rosine getting up and reading out my bullet points. For goodness sake. No, I didn't. I thought, Holy Spirit, thank you for doing that work. Thank you for having put it, those words in her mouth. Sarah said it again. Here I am saying it again. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. You are fully capable. He said in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you're his chosen people, the king's priests. You're a holy nation, people who belong to God. Remember, he has chose you to tell about the wonderful things he's done. He's brought you out of darkness into his light. Remember, it's, he brought you from rejection to acceptance. It says in Acts 28, uh, 26, 18, you are to open their eyes, turn them from the darkness to the light, and from the power of Satan. You're like, Claire, totally lost me. You were going great to that point. I've switched off. I told you to drown out your own voice, didn't I? 
Didn't I tell you to drown out that voice in your head that says, oh, hope she's listening, this bit's for her. She's really capable, like she could do anything she puts her mind to. Oh my goodness, see if you power in her recording studio. Oh my word. Oh, see her, see Lois in that sewing machine. I could never do what she does. Send them things out to Africa, I couldn't do it. Oh, hope Sarah doesn't ask me to do the prayer line. I couldn't pray with people one on one. Scripture says something completely different. Scripture says that you are fully capable. It says there's nothing in us that allows us to claim. This is the best scripture of the day. Write this down. 2 Corinthians 3, 5 and 6 in the Good News Translation. Listen to this. There is nothing. There is nothing in us that allows us to claim that we are capable of doing this work the capacity we have comes from God. See, it says in First Peter that you're called to be a priest. Did you know that? It says that you are a royal priesthood. What's a priest? He's not the man with the gown and the frock. That's not him. It's you. You are a royal priest. What is a royal priest? A priest is someone who goes between God and man, who represents... God to man and who represents man to God. You're a priest. Look at the person beside you. Tell them you're a priest. That was the worst you're a priest I've ever heard in the history of you're a priest. That was the worst. And that was the first, so it can only get better from here. You, my friends, and I, we are priests. Now, This scripture says that I am fully capable. It says that it's not of my own capabilities because if it was up to my own capabilities, I couldn't do it. It says that it's not of my own strength. This scripture says that the capacity that I have comes from God. So the capacity that I have to represent God to man. I, yes, the rep, that was very Filipino. I, wasn't it? The capacity that I have to represent God today comes from him, not from me. If it was up to me, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. If it was up to you, you couldn't do it. You can have all the skill and talent in the world. It's not really about the skills and the talents. It's not. Those are just bonuses. Those are great. If you've got them, whoo, go you. That's brilliant. And I love them and use them. What did Tessa say this morning? You have got something to give. If you've got a skill and a talent, that's brilliant. Go ahead and use it. But what I want to tell you when it comes to being a priest, when it comes to being somebody who right here, right now, right where you are, represents God to the people around you, you have the capacity to do it. We can never base our worth on our capabilities or our feelings because our feelings will change. Our feelings will change. We'll have to learn to base ourselves on the truth of who we are. I want to tell you this. Stop playing the old tapes in your head. Stop it. Why do you want to believe those lies anyway? Why would you even want to rehearse those lines in your head? Why would you want to think about the put-downs and the things that people said over you. Tell me this. Why is it that we believe 
everything that everybody says about us. We believe everything the devil says about us, but we struggle to believe what God says about us. Why is it only God that you don't believe? That's my question for you this evening. Why are you believing what everybody else says you are? You're sticking the gray dots on yourself. You're making sure the stick. The enemy speaks it over you. You're sticking the gray dot on. God speaks it over us, and we're dodging it. Oh, Lord, no, wait, I'm not sure about that. You're a priest. Oh, no, not me. You're my beloved. I love you. Lord, I don't, Lord, I know you mean that, but, uh, well, just leave that with me. How often do we do that? I want to challenge you tonight to stop believing the words that other people are speaking over you and to believe the words of God. You're not who Satan says you are. You're not who your parents have said that you are. You're not who your ex says you are. You're not who they say you are. That's your false identity. You are who God says you are. You are who God says you are. Did you get that? You are who God says that you are. He made you. He gets the vote. Nobody else has a vote. Nobody else has the right to say who you are and are not. Only your creator has that right to have that voice and speak it into your life. What is your true identity? Somebody steals your credit card tonight. It will not affect you in the slightest until the moment you realize it's gone. So if you want to get back your true identity tonight, if the Lord has spoken to you, first thing you need to do is this. You need to realize that it's stolen. See, if you don't realize it's gone, you're not going to make any steps to fix it. You're not going to make any steps to get it back because you didn't even realize. I firmly and truly and honestly believe that the purpose of God in today was to catch your attention. It's happened from Rosine stood up this morning to catch your attention to tell you that you're accepted, that you're valued, that you are loved, that you are forgiven, and that you are acceptable. Maybe once, Donna, come on up. Maybe once you, you felt like you did know God. Maybe once you felt like you did have an idea who he was in your life. You know that moment when you freshly get saved and you think to yourself, oh yeah, I'm so on fire for the Lord. I'm so excited. I'm just going to go ahead and just going to tell the whole world about it. And then a few months down the line, it just begins to pull back. And then a few years down the line, you're even further back. And suddenly... You're the last one in the door on a Sunday. And suddenly, you're the first one out the door. And suddenly, you're not even there on Sunday because you're at the caravan. Or you're on your holidays. You had a wee bit of a headache. You had a big bust-up with your husband. See, if not coming to church was based on bust-ups with husbands and ratty children, there wouldn't be a Sunday that we would be at church. We have six children, a grandchild, a husband. We, there's 10 of us in that car some Sundays. 
Say if it was based on feelings, he wouldn't be there. Our relationship with Christ is based on who we are before him. And tonight, you are standing before him and you're saying, Lord, I'm yours. Just stand with me for a wee minute. something amazing about the grace of God. There's something amazing about the love of God. The love of God is what will change you. I'm telling you, nothing else will change you except the love of God. I've worked with the best therapists in the Philippines. I've worked with the best psychologists in the Philippines. I'm telling you now, when those children come into me broken 50 different ways, battered, abused, wrecked, inside, physical bodies, inside their wee minds, their hearts are knackered. Only God can heal. Only God can do it. You'll never do it to yourself. There's nothing you could do to fix yourself or make yourself any more acceptable to him. And that's the good news because you don't have to wait. You know what? I'll just fix this in my life first. When I sort that out, when I give up that wee habit, then I'll come. When, when I learn not to, when I give a smoke, so I'll, I'll come then. You know what? When I get through this divorce, once we're done, because I'd be mortified to come to the Lord now because he'd want me to fix it, so I'm not going to come. No. Bible says today is this day of salvation. So first of all, before anything else, if there's a lady in this room tonight and you're listening to me and you're thinking, I want what she's talking about. And I don't think I know Jesus that way yet. Tonight's your night. Today's your day. It was for you. It was for you. He just wanted to catch your attention. He wanted you to stop your busy day for long enough to realize that he's speaking to you right now. And I know that you know that what I'm saying is true because you have this feeling in you right now that you never had before. That's the Holy Spirit. That's him telling you, this is my voice and she is speaking the truth to you. I love you. I just want you to come to me. So I just take away a moment as we close our eyes in the presence of God. I just want you to take a moment before the Lord. I'm not going to embarrass you because it's not about me. There's nothing I could do or there's no prayer that I could pray to make you more acceptable to God. In this moment, you close your eyes and you say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Heal my heart. Heal my brokenness. Lord, help me. I want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to be your child. I want to be known as your child. I want to be accepted and loved and forgiven. So I just bow my heart before you and I ask you right now, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. dots just fell off. The grey dots fell off. They came into your heart. For the rest of us who maybe already know the Lord, I know that 
I know it in manure. As Sarah would say, I know it. There's some of us standing here tonight who are desperate to shake off those dots that have been stuck on us from our knee-high day We need to shake them off. Today's your day. Today's your day. And what we're going to do is we're going to sing. And as soon as we start to sing, you're just going to come forward. I'm not going to do this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Come on, one last call. No, I'm not doing it. Because this is between you and God. It's not about me. I don't need the numbers. If nobody comes forward, that's okay for me. Because it's about you and God. I want you to go out different than you come in. Sometimes on a Sunday we can't go forward because we have children. <laughs> well, they're hanging on their hips and our husbands hurrying us up because we have a dinner to get on. This is your day, ladies. This is your day. We're, we're not in a rush. If you want to come forward, you come forward. And somebody is just going to minister to you in the moment. You are accepted. You're valued and you're loved by the grace of God. not for you today. It is for you. This is your time. This is your time with Jesus. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can also watch the Sermon of the Month video at youtube.com forward slash Moira Pentecostal. 
or download the sermon video through our iTunes video podcast. For more information, visit us at www.mpc.org.uk. Thank you.